everyone, welcome back to On The Mix. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today we're going to be continuing on with the Manchester tapes. We are diving right into the Happy Mondays. If you don't know about the Happy Mondays, I would highly suggest, honestly, that you strap in because this episode is probably going to be one of the more interesting in terms of there is just so much interesting stuff that's going on with this band. The drugs are abundant, like the crazy stories that you'll hear in this episode is beyond mind-blowing to me. Get yourself a brew, get yourself a snack, do whatever you want to do, and just have a listen. I guarantee you, you will find this to be really fascinating. So I want to start off by talking about Sean Ryder, and Sean Ryder is the frontman and lead singer of the Happy Mondays. So I'm going to start with his background, and then we're going to go right into talking about the Happy Mondays. So Sean Ryder was born August 23, 1962 in Little Holton, Lancashire. His mother, Linda, was a nurse, and his father, Derek, was a postman. His dad would actually later become the Happy Mondays tour manager. Sean dropped out of school at an early age, and he only learned the alphabet when he was about 26, 28 years old. His girlfriend at the time actually taught him the alphabet by singing it to him. He would later be diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia. He remarked that when he was at school, his teachers forced him to write with his weaker right hand. He would eventually start skipping school, and he found a job working at the local cinema where he would take down the cinema seats. He always found a way to make a few quid just to tie him over, even if that meant stealing things from people's back gardens. So he was a total renegade (laughs) as a child, but even through his adult life, most of his adult life, he was just such a renegade. He did not give a fuck. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. So after he quit school, he followed in his dad's footsteps and he worked as a postman. So he was doing this right up until he was about 19. There was a really strange incident on the job where one day he dropped some acid, as you do, right? (laughs) Just casually dropping acid. And while he was on his route, he was so high on acid, he came across, you know, one of those small Yorkshire Terrier dogs. And apparently the dog was like nipping at his ankle. So he says, all right, I'll bite back the dog in retaliation. Yeah, literally. He bites the dog in the face. He throws the dog on the ground and he kicks the dog in retaliation. He is so high out of his mind. That's such a horrible thing to do. One of his co-workers saw this happening and he snitched. His boss was like, yeah, you're fucking out of here. Um, another reason why he was fired Not only for that incident, but because he was also stealing packages. So, yeah, no duh. (laughs) His short-lived job as a postman was cut off. But you know what? That's fine because he went on to create the Happy Mondays. Sean also has six children and is married to his second wife, Joanne. His first marriage was to Oriole Lech or Leech. She's the daughter of Donovan. I probably totally butchered that. Um, Her and Sean, the two of them had a daughter together and they subsequently divorced. Sean also has suffered a lot of health problems over the last few years. Honestly, it's really mind-blowing to see what he used to look like 
and then what he looks like now. It's a really stark contrast. He calls himself Uncle Fester because of how he looks. He has um, alopecia, and alopecia is a condition where your hair is falling out in big clumps, and it's kind of like big patches of your hair is falling out, and you're losing hair at the root. So he says, like, the hair on his head, his eyelashes, his eyebrows, his hair on his body, like, everywhere. It just fell out, and he does not have hair. He also has a hereditary thyroid condition where he has an underactive thyroid, leaving him with lower levels of testosterone. So basically, you have all of these issues compounding each other, and it's kind of a lot. So with the testosterone, he said that he would take testosterone injections, and now he's on like a testosterone gel kind of thing. And he also underwent hip replacement surgery. So Jesus Christ, he has gone through so much. He also has fake teeth because of his chronic drug use. And so he got, um, I think he got veneers. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm fake everything. Because <laughs> like what part of me now is just the original part of me. But yeah, that's true. He's gone under so many procedures, just so many things relating to health. It's kind of crazy. Like I mentioned, it's widely known that Sean had a massive drug addiction. He had an addiction to pills, cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, acid, like you name it. But he said that he was really happy that he had the money to pay for really good heroin because he never had to shoot himself up. Intravenously shooting yourself up, that's where a lot more problems can come in just from using needles. But he also claimed that he would take microdots of LSD with his bandmate Bez every day for a year. And he would take ecstasy with his breakfast. And he once locked himself in the luggage compartment of his tour bus and smoked heroin for 48 hours. Luckily, though, he has been clean for some time now. And he credits cycling, swimming, and hiking as the things that have helped him shake his addictions. His life is so beyond crazy to me. He is just a character. He's really funny, I have to say. He has a good sense of humor about him. He has a good way of looking at life. Yeah, he was a wild child for sure, but he's definitely calmed down a lot more, especially now that he has um, two really young children. I believe he, he said that his two youngest were about 12 and 10, something like that. So, you know, he's happy that now he can be a renewed father, if you will. So he's he's getting a lot of help from his family and from himself and from his friends. And so that's good. Another really funny fact about Sean, he is an avid believer in UFOs. Yeah, that's right. He believes in aliens, and he says he ain't got no time for anybody that doesn't believe in aliens. So if you don't believe in aliens, get out of here, because Sean thinks you're wrong. <laughs> he said that he actually had an alien encounter in 1978. Like, he saw an alien just randomly one day, and that's where his love of aliens kind of came from. He actually had a TV show in 2013 called Sean Ryder of UFOs. So honestly, it's just craziness. It's just so, it's just so funny. He is a character. But so now that's just kind of the background of Sean Ryder. Now maybe you understand a bit more about kind of him as a person and how all of those things influenced the Happy Mondays, which we are going to get into right now. So the Happy Mondays formed in 1980 in Salford. The original lineup was Sean on vocals, his brother Paul Ryder on bass, 
Mark Day on guitar, Paul Davis on keyboard, and Gary Wellen on drums. Mark Berry, who is also known as Bez, joined the band later as a dancer and maraca player, and Rowetta also joined later as a backup vocalist. So after some time of being together, they recorded a demo tape and they passed this tape along to Phil Sachs. Phil Sachs was a trader at Manchester's Arndale. He would sell semi-flared pants where the Happy Mondays were to first meet Phil. Manchester's Arndale was one of the places back in the day, along with Affleck's, to really be one of the places that influenced the fashion scene in Manchester throughout the 80s and the 90s, and so Phil Sachs was a big part of that. Phil was on good terms with DJ Mike Pickering of the Hacienda. If you're joining for the first time, you don't know what the Hacienda is. The Hacienda is a very famous nightclub in Manchester. They eventually joined Factory Records, and Phil Sachs would become the band's manager. The band's first release was the EP called 45, also known as the Delightful EP, and it was released in 1985. The band's debut album, Squirrel and G-Man 24-Hour Party People Plastic Face Can't Smile Whiteout. That is such a long album name. Oh my god. It was recorded in December of 1986, and it was released in April 1987. It was produced by John Cale, who was a founding member of the Velvet Underground. The album was originally released without the song 24-Hour Party People, and instead was the song Desmond, so that song was in its place. And Desmond was originally inspired by the Beatles song Obladi Oblada. So a few hundred copies of the album with the song Desmond on it were sold, but at the time, Michael Jackson was the owner of the Beatles catalog, which that is a whole other story of how so absolutely crazy that is. So Michael Jackson was the owner of the Beatles catalog, and he was not happy that Desmond was on the album, so he did not agree with the usage of the song, and he forced the Happy Mondays to remove the track. And so this is where eventually 24-Hour Party People would now be put on the album officially. And that song, 24-Hour Party People, became one of their most popular songs at the time. So moving right along with it, the Hacienda became known at this time for its strong usage of drug peddling and drugs being widely spread throughout the club. I think we can in part blame this on Sean Ryder and the Happy Mondays because now the Happy Mondays are on the Factory Records label and Factory Records is connected with the Hacienda Club. So the Happy Mondays know about the Hacienda. They are linked to the Hacienda Club. One of Sean's friends first brought ecstasy into Manchester in a tube of toothpaste. That is how the story goes. We don't know if that is factual but that is just what Sean recounts. Sean was personally tasked with spreading the drug around the city and at the Hacienda Club in particular. The Happy Mondays follow-up album, Bummed, was recorded at Slaughterhouse Studios in August 1988, and it was released on November 5th, 1988. It was produced by Martin Hannett, and I've talked about Martin Hannett a lot. He was the known producer who would work with Joy Division and New Order, during the recording of Bummed, their new manager, Nathan McGuff, noted that the band was heavily using ecstasy at this time. 
Like they might as well should have called the album E just because of how much they were using ecstasy at this time. Nathan had this to say about the drug use on the album Bummed. There was a lot of ecstasy taken on a daily basis during the making of Bummed. We took 200E with us, but they ran out after 10 days. So I had to go back to Manchester and collect another 100. Bummed is definitely an E album, perhaps the first full album ever made on that drug. So the Mondays knew that their producer Martin Hannett was a known alcoholic, and so to keep him distracted and away from the alcohol, the band just gave him large amounts of ecstasy. <laughs> They're like, Martin, instead of alcohol, here, man, take some E with us. It'll all be cool. No worries. Um, and so that's what they did. They just kept on supplying Martin with the E, and um, that seemed to work for them. So the album artwork for most of the Happy Mondays album covers were produced by Central Station Design, which is a Manchester design agency. Um, they're known primarily for their hand-painted and collage-based album covers. That's what they were known for. The album cover for Bummed is actually a painting that they drew of Sean Ryder. It's like a really close-up, zoomed-in portion of the painting. I didn't know that that was Sean on the cover. I had no idea. So when this album came out, there were a lot of club mixes and a lot of DJ remixes for some of the songs on the album. Most notably, Paul Oakenfold remixed their song Work For Luck, and he would eventually go on to produce the band's follow-up album. And obviously, because the Happy Mondays were a really big kind of acid house, like dance, rave kind of rocky band, a lot of DJs would take their songs and they would extend them. They would remix them into dance tunes, like longer extended dance tunes. The reception for Bummed was really, really positive, as this was one of the stepping stones for the Manchester dance rave scene in the 80s going into the early 90s, which is what I was mentioning before. So I kind of talked about it a little bit before, but I'll just kind of briefly recap what Manchester is. Manchester was a dance scene in the 80s and early 90s in Manchester, particularly in the Hacienda Club, where that kind of sound was predominantly coming out from. And then the fashion scene coupling that was called the baggy movement, which was like flared pants and baggy jeans and like bucket hats and things like that. Like that was kind of what the whole scene was about at the time. In November 1989, the band released their second EP, Madchester Ravon. The song Hallelujah on the EP became their breakout hit. It reached number one in the UK independent singles chart. And this song would lead the band to go on their first Top of the Pops performance that month in November. So they wasted no time. Right after they released their second EP, the band went right into the studio to make their third album, Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches. This album will go on to be their most popular and successful album that they'll ever do. There are so many tunes on this album that are so incredibly good, and we're going to get into more about one of the tunes called Step On that is definitely their number one tune of all time, so we'll go into that in just a second here. So like I mentioned, they brought Paul Oakenfold on and they brought his collaborator Stephen Osborne on to produce the album. It was recorded at Eden Studios from 89 into 1990. 
This album 100% was marked with huge commercial success. It put the Happy Mondays at the very top, especially at the height of the Madchester and Baggy movements. This album is considered alongside the Stone Roses debut album as the albums that really truly captured what the Madchester scene was all about, and it propelled that movement forward 100%. So Pills and Thrills brought a much wider house sound mostly because of Olgenvold's production, the album cover is again designed by Manchester Central Station Design, and it's a collage of different popular children's candy wrappers. The singles from the album are Step On, Kinky Afro, and Rave On, those all charted really high on the UK singles charts. So Step On is their biggest tune, and that's probably where you might know of the Happy Mondays. Like, if you don't know any other song from them, you know Step On. What I didn't know about their song was that Step On was actually a cover of John Kogo's 1972 song, He's Gonna Step On You Again. The song was actually considered to be a fluke by Sean Ryder. Like, they weren't even thinking that this song would even be as big as it was at all. They did not expect that to be, like, one of their biggest tunes ever. So the story goes that their American label, Elektra, at the time was celebrating 40 years of being in the business and being open. So Elektra was coming out with a compilation album that featured artists covering songs that were a part of Elektra's catalog. So while Happy Mondays were recording Pills and Thrills, Elektra had sent the band over a tape of these catalogs. And when they heard Step On, they thought, right, okay, that song will do. We'll figure it out. So it's kind of crazy that Step On, their big tune, is a cover I had no idea that that was even true, but that's what it is. And so, yeah, they weren't even putting a lot of thought into that cover at all. They really kind of weren't even on board with what Elektra was trying to do here. They didn't want to come out with a cover. They don't do covers. They do their own music. They weren't a fan of that. But Tony Wilson kind of pressured them nicely into doing it, and so they did it. And lo and behold, that is how their big tune, Step On, came to be. The Mondays came out with the music video for Step On in 1990, where they filmed at a hotel in Spain. There was a famous photo that appeared on the cover of NME of Sean holding on to the letter E in hotel. The photographer wanted Sean to be in front of the H-O-T part of the word, but he realized immediately the connection between the letter E that Sean was standing in front of and ecstasy and the band being big on ecstasy. So they kind of kept the happy accident. The Mondays were asked to make a follow-up song to step on, but that failed immensely. Sean went into the studio and he sat quietly in protest wearing a balaclava for three days. The studio staff worriedly asked Tony Wilson, like, hey, can you like ask Sean to take the mask off, please? Like, what's happening? So yeah, there was not going to be a follow-up to step on. There was no way that was going to happen. The Happy Mondays were now one of the biggest bands in Manchester at the time. They were touring worldwide and the drugs were aplenty. In 1990, they were already playing stadiums and they were headlining at shows. They played at Glastonbury Festival in 1990. Paul McCartney even had commented in NME that November 1990 that he saw the Happy Mondays on TV and that they reminded him of the Beatles in their Strawberry Fields phase. I think that's totally a thing that you can use to describe the Happy Mondays 100%. 
Music-wise, the band mixed indie pop guitars with house, funk, and northern soul. I briefly touched upon northern soul in my Stone Roses episode where Ian Brown had a stint for a short period of time DJing northern soul nights at a club in Manchester. Um, Northern Soul basically is a blend of 60s mod with kind of heavy beats. The Happy Mondays helped to bring back the psychedelia that was associated with acid house music at the time. They were a huge influence on a lot of bands, including the Stone Roses and Oasis. At this point in time, they went on a huge multi-city tour of the U.S. in 1991, and they returned home with the show in Leeds where they played to 30,000 people at Ellen Road. So this is considered to be their Spike Island. And Spike Island is in reference to a Stone Roses show where they played at Spike Island and it became a huge, really, really, really successful show. And that happened in 1990. That Spike Island for the Stone Roses is considered to be like their Woodstock, if you kind of get what I'm saying. So Ellen Road for... The Happy Mondays was very, very, very good for them in a lot of ways. They actually made an official bootleg live album from that show and it was released later in 1991. So they were totally riding off the high of pills and thrills. I mean, they were hosting wild drug and sex parties. Like the stories that I have read, it is beyond crazy. They're talking about like wild benders that would go on for days at a time There would be sex shows, there would be drugs flowing around, they're riding off the hype of their last album and their success, but now this is where things start to go downhill really quick. The band's fourth studio album, Yes Please, was released in September the 22nd, 1992. I briefly mentioned that in my New Order episode because New Order at the time was on Factory Records and they were recording their album Republic. And because of the huge failure of the Happy Mondays, Yes, Please, Factory Records was bankrupt by 1992. Because of the high recording cost for Yes, Please and the absolute commercial disappointment of the album, Factory had to declare bankruptcy. And Factory went to New Order and begged them basically asked them, forced them to make Republic the best album that they ever fucking did because if they didn't, they would lose money and Factory would go under. Unfortunately, there wasn't a whole lot that they could do about it because Factory Records went under 100%. Pretty much predominantly because of the Happy Mondays Yes Please album. Like, this genuinely, this was the biggest flop one of the biggest flops of all time. (laughs) I would definitely, definitely stand by that statement. In Sean's autobiography, he said that one of the reasons for the huge failure was because of the change in producers for the album. Paul Oakenfold was unavailable at the time to produce Yes Please, so the band brought on Chris France and Tina Weymouth, and those two previously worked with bands like The Talking Heads and other bands kind of of that similar style, they had drastically changed the sound of the album compared to the band's previous works. The album kind of lent a feel for the sound being mostly Caribbean-influenced synth-pop. I think Chris and Tina had no idea what to do with this new sound with Happy Mondays. And also, 
Not only that was a factor, but by this time in the early 90s, alternative rock was making big waves in the music scene in America for sure, but it was definitely transmuting in the UK. So the Madchester scene was kind of falling at the wayside at this time. And this album just came out with all the surmounting things that happened with this album, the backlash they got, barely any sales, really poorly received. It just was a total disaster right from the get-go. According to Peter Hook of New Order, like I said, like Peter Hook and New Order, they knew what was going on because all of them were in factory records at this time. Peter Hook knew that Yes Please had only sold a thousand copies. Like, you know you kind of effed up when you only sell a thousand copies. I mean, God, that's horrible. Let me kind of bring more information into why they spent so much money on this album. So the band, Happy Mondays, they recorded Yes Please in Barbados at Eddie Grant's home studio. Um, Eddie Grant, I'm sure you've heard of his song Electric Avenue. That's one of his most popular tunes. That's who Eddie Grant is. And then go to his house where he has a studio and they record the album there. Apparently, Mick Jagger was hanging out at the time in Barbados. And so they would apparently run into Mick Jagger just to be like, hey, Mick, what's going on? <laughs> That's just such a random fact. But um, so the trip to Barbados didn't go as planned at all. It was of the understanding of Tony Wilson that in Barbados, there was no heroin on the island. So with that known, he'd be like, all right, there was no heroin. So the band could be clean. The band could concentrate on making this album. No one would get high. It would all be good. But the total fucking 180 of that actually happened instead because you cannot keep the drugs away from Sean Ryder and Bez. You could not keep them away from it. They were avid, avid, avid heroin and coke users. Sean would go on to sell the Hugo Boss shirt right off of his back to pay and stock up for local heroin in Barbados. Tony Wilson got word from Eddie Grant that the crack use in his studio was becoming rampant. Tony ended up flying to Barbados to sort things out. He was like, oh shit, this cannot be happening. I gotta fix this. The funny thing was, when Tony Wilson landed in Barbados, one of the first things he sees is Sean and Bez wheeling one of Eddie Grant's sofas down the road to pay for drugs. What? I mean, no way. Can you imagine, like, you have the permission of Eddie Grant to work at his studio at his house in Barbados and record, and you are so high off of your fucking mind, you gotta sell one of his sofas? Um, but yeah, no way. Like, it was an absolute nightmare. This Barbados trip was a nightmare. Like, Tony Wilson and Factory Records paid so much for this album to be made, it really just it faltered so much. One of the worst things, too, um, when the band returned to the UK, Sean got hold of the master tapes of the album, and he threatened Tony Wilson that he would destroy the tapes if Factory didn't pay him for the tapes. They gave him 50 pounds. They got the master tapes back. And when Tony Wilson heard these recordings, there were no vocals. Sean did not write lyrics. He did not write the vocals 
for any songs on this album whatsoever. There was barely anything that came out of this recording session. This was a huge monumental waste of money for them. Um, so it was horrible. Like it was horrible from the get go. This album would not even you couldn't even imagine this album even being successful in the right conditions. Another really funny anecdote about this whole Barbados trip that just adds to the craziness of this, right? So Johnny Marr, who is the guitarist for the Smiths, they were hanging out, him and the Happy Mondays, they were hanging out. According to Johnny Marr, the Happy Mondays attempted to kidnap him and bring him on their Barbados trip. Johnny Marr said that he was a member of the Happy Mondays for about 25 minutes. So, uh, yeah, it was doomed from the start. I think I will wrap up this album here by saying a review from Melody Maker at the time. Their review of the album, Yes, Please, simply said, no, thank you. And now <laughs> we are moving right along into 1993 Happy Mondays. They disbanded following Sean's bad drug habit. So the Happy Mondays weren't recording or they weren't even together for a few years at this point. So Bez and Sean went on to form a new band called Black Grape. So Black Grape is formed with Wags of the Paris Angels and Kermit of the Ruthless Rap Assassins. At the time, they put out two albums called It's Great When You're Straight in 1995, Stupid, Stupid, Stupid in 1997, and they put those two out before the Happy Mondays got back together in 1999. So at this point now in 1999, when the band got back together, they reshuffled the lineup just a little bit. Paul Davis and Mark Day didn't want to come back. So Wags, who again, who was part of Black Grape, he came in to fill Mark's place. And a couple of other session musicians came in to fill the other roles of the people that weren't coming back. This is where Rowetta, who sang backup vocals on the Happy Mondays previous two albums, would officially join the band. Like, she was their official band member now. So now at this point, the Mondays went on a very extensive UK and international tour. They also came out with a new single, which is a cover of Thin Lizzy's The Boys Are Back in Town. They also played as a supporting act for the Oasis tour, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. And by 2001, the band stopped playing when Paul Ryder left the band. He was not happy at all with Sean's attitude and all the stuff that happened previously in the past, so he left. And it was in 2002 that the film 24-Hour Party People was released. I mentioned this in my New Order episode. 24-Hour Party People is basically a movie about factory records from the beginning and the Hacienda Club and the end. Because at this point in time, again, factory records was just done. The Hacienda was closing. And so there was no more of that. And so it was kind of like a half comedy, half serious movie about the story looking through the eyes of Tony Wilson, who was played by, um, <laughs> I almost said Alan Partridge. <laughs> He's played by Steve Coogan. So after another few years off, the Mondays came back together in 2004 with another lineup. Sean ended up bringing in guitarist Cav Shandu and Cav brought in bassist Mikey Shine, keyboardist Dave Parkinson, and guitarist John Dunn. 
During this time, Paul just refused to come back again because, again, citing the breakup from previously, he was just kind of over everything. Paul ended up actually forming his own solo band called Big Arm. Big Arm released their critically acclaimed debut album called Radiator in 2008. It seemed to get really, really positive reviews. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, so I'll definitely have to check that out. Big Arm also went on to be the supporting act for Ian Brown during his 2008 tours as well. So Paul was doing pretty good on his own. So at this time in 2005, a fact that I really didn't know about and this blew my mind when I learned about it is so crazy to me. Like I never knew this fact. In 2005, Sean collaborated with the Gorillaz. Um, So Sean went into the studio to help them with their song, Dare. He sang on the song and he actually appeared in the music video. So if you can like think in your mind about the music video, you know how um, the girl in the band Noodle, she's dancing and she opens her closet and in her closet, there's like a disembodied head with like a tank around them and all these wires and stuff in there. And he's singing, it's dare, you know, like the head in there. That's Sean Ryder. That is Sean in there. And I did not know that. So there's kind of a bit of a discrepancy about how Sean came about even in this project. One side of the story goes that the song originally was going to be called It's There. But because Sean's thick accent, he pronounced there as dare. In the song, he would say, it's dare. And so because he had a hard time saying there, they just changed the song title to dare so that it sounded proper. Um, So that's their version of the story. Sean's version of the story is that he was in the booth and he was listening to the beat that Damon Um, was putting together. And there were no lyrics, according to Sean. He was just in there in the booth. And all he kept thinking about was coming up, coming up, it's dare. And so he came up with the lyrics to the song. But that's how it goes anyway. So regardless, he is the reason why the song is called Dare. There you go. That's a bit of Gorillas and Happy Mondays. Fun fact. 2005 seemed to be quite an interesting year for the Happy Mondays because also in 2005, Bez, he made his reality TV appearance on the show Big Brother and he was honest with the fact that he went on there for the money. Like he had outstanding tax bills that he needed to pay and he was in the hole with money. And so he's like, yeah, literally, I'm going on here just for the money, like straight up. He was voted the winner because apparently people were sympathetic and they're like all right listen he needs the money we'll just give it to him like he's the winner so he used some of his money to improve the engine on his london black cab apparently i guess for a period of time he was a cab driver this is really interesting though he got the money to improve his engine but he appeared on the uk version of pimp my ride And Bez was on the UK version, and he was on there to get his black cab fully customized. Now, I have yet to find this episode online anywhere, but listen to the results of the customization on his cab, okay? The cab was upgraded to get 20 speakers, 8 amps, 2 DVD players, 15 TV screens, and a camera on the grill, And the sign on the top that read taxi, that now read 
pimp on it, okay? And they gave the black cab a purple paint job. Just imagine that in your mind, though. Bez is picking up someone from Manchester Airport, and they're like, oh, please, take me to the hotel. I'm so tired. He's just, like, pumping the Happy Mondays tunes, and they're like, yeah, all right, boom, 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 from the 20 speakers, eight amplifiers. Oh, my God. I don't know if Bez actually still has the London cab. I would probably imagine he doesn't. I don't know where that car even is now. In 2006, the Mondays announced that they had completed a new album and they signed on to Sanctuary Records. Their single called Playground Superstar was released prior to the album coming out and the album was called Uncle Dysfunctional. This was released July the 2nd, 2007. Although the band were obviously not on Factory Records anymore because it was gone, Tony Wilson personally gave this album a Factory Records number, which was Factory 500, and it was released sadly a month before his death, so he gave them that Factory Records number, which was really nice. The band played a couple of festivals from 2007 to 2009 at this point in time. They were pretty much just going on playing tours. They played with the Psychedelic Furs on a U.S. and Canada tour in late 2009. And Paul Ryder's son filled in for Gaz Wilson on drums for these shows. And this lineup would continue until 2011 upon the release of Sean's autobiography, In January 2012, Sean announced on a radio interview that the Happy Mondays would get back together as the original and definitive lineup from the beginning. Sean went on a TV program called This Morning to say that the band made amends, that they were back to feeling like the old days, and that they were friends. So this is where they are now. They did a 13-day UK tour in May 2012, which were mostly sold out, so they are they're still selling out massive stadium tours. To coincide with the original members getting back together and a sold-out tour, they released a best-of compilation called Double Double Good, and this was released in July 2012. They spent most of the year touring and performing at festivals internationally, and they announced in September that year that they were working on an album for the first time altogether in over 20 years. But unfortunately, that's never really come to fruition because Uncle Dysfunctional was the last album that they've done today in 2021. So I don't know if that material will see the light of day. I hope so. So they've continued to tour and they toured worldwide. And in 2013, they put on a 16-day UK tour to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their album Bummed being released. And then in 2015, they signed with Creation Management And they announced an international tour to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Pills and Thrills, and that was very much so well-received. So the most recent happenings that I could find from the band is that, really interestingly enough, Bez spends most of his time as a beekeeper. How interesting is that? I never expected that for him at all. But you know what? He is a freak. (laughs) Like, he is really weird. And so you got to be crazy, I think, to be a beekeeper, don't you? He claims that his love of bees came from his granddad, who would come home from the war with massive jars of honey. And so that's where his love of bees and honey came from. And obviously, he's from Manchester and bees and honey. It's just what happens in Manchester all the time. 
So Bez is just happy kind of hanging out in his little beekeeper sanctuary and hanging out with them. Sean also released a solo album back in August this year of 2021, and this is called Visits from Future Technology. It follows his first solo album, which was released back in 2003, called Amateur Nights in the Big Top. Noel Gallagher and Sean are actually joining forces on a single. This hasn't been released yet. There's no word on when it's going to be released, but there is an article out and Noel says that Sean is on top form and Noel expects the single to go number one when it does eventually come out. Also in 2019, it was planned that a biopic of Sean's life was set to be made by AGC Studios. They will fully finance the movie that's going to be called Twisting My Melon. So that's crazy. Like a biopic of Sean's life in the Happy Mondays and in his childhood is actually going to be made. It's going to be made at some point. I don't know when it's going to be released. The latest that I've heard about it was that production was scheduled to start in January 2020. But I think that was just bad timing with the pandemic that's happening. So hopefully at some point in time, they'll get back to making it. And maybe in the next few years, it'll actually be released. And the last little recent happenings is that Bez and Sean are actually on a TV show together called Celebrity Gogglebox. And from my understanding, the show is pretty much where celebrities sit down in their house with some of their celebrity friends and they react to programs and other TV shows in the UK and like interesting stuff just to react to, I guess. There are some really, really, really funny clips on YouTube. I watched um, a few clips of this of Bez and Sean just reacting. It's really, really funny. Like Bez and Sean, they're, they're just, they're naturally really, really funny. They just have that Mancunian humor about them. That's pretty much where we are with that. The last that I've heard about Sean, yeah, so I'm on his Instagram right now. And so the Black Grape, they're on their 25th anniversary tour. And so they're touring right now if you want to see them. And the Happy Mondays are actually headlining at Stone Valley Festival in Durham, which was, I believe, a day ago. So the Happy Mondays are actually still going out and doing some tours. And Sean Ryder himself is actually signing his new solo album. So he's going around to like bookshops and record stores. If you want his album to be signed, you can go and get it signed. As of two days ago, he was in Edinburgh at Asai Records. So that's pretty cool. So that's, I mean, honestly, he's got a lot on his plate, but that's pretty much the most recent happenings with the Happy Mondays and with Sean himself. Me researching about the Happy Mondays has been one of the more interesting points of this podcast, genuinely. It's been so interesting for me just to learn about the ins and outs and the wild stories. It's honestly really mind-blowing just the crazy antics that they got into and the drugs that they were taking all the time, like every day, all the time for years. It was just mind-blowing to research all of this and honestly... I have a great appreciation for their music. I would highly suggest that if you don't know about them or you don't know their music, I would really suggest listening to Pills and Thrills and Belly Aches first. I'm telling you, that album will get right into your soul and you'll just want to dance. Like, it's a great album. There's no track on that album that I don't like. 
Definitely take a listen to Step On for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where I'm going to leave it here. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that you learned something that you never learned or heard about before. I will see you guys next Wednesday for a new episode of On The Mix, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye, guys.